Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed, and I'm Cat Napsuck for the first edition, the official edition of the reworked Star Wars Ranked. You may have heard this show before in a different form, and you may have heard the Spotlight Star Wars edition with me and Mark Riley listed our top five moments from Rogue One. The show's concept, uh, concept is pretty simple. We're going to each time have a topic, and me and a guest will have our five top reasons why it's great, why it's worst, our list of characters. The topics can be wild and crazy. They can be serious and dark. Star Wars has a lot of things to talk about, and this is what we're going to do this week. It's Star Wars Ranked, the top five reasons you should rewatch The Phantom Menace. Yes, it's a prequel show, and to do that, I have with me a noted prequelist, the man who convinced me to become a prequelist. Our very own Joseph Scrimshaw. I am so happy to be here and prequeling with you. Absolutely, I couldn't think uh, of a of a better person to launch Star Wars ranked and a better topic. Prequels, uh, the prequels still incite conversation, Joseph. Yes, they do. Yeah, <laughs> they're still out there to, for people to debate and scream. Yeah, about. I feel like fans have uh, started to come to terms with them, and then I'll still see like random people on Facebook are like, "Oh, I like Star Wars." Yeah, but I don't listen to a podcast every month. We just still hammer, hammer, hammer at how awful they are. Right. So there's still work to be 
done. Right. And we feel as prequelists that the the era of the prequels, there's some great storytelling to mind. There's some great things. And while, yes, the movies might not have been executed to our wildest dreams and imagination, <laughs> yes, there might be some things in there that cause you to cringe. There are, absolutely. But they exist. They won't go away. And it's not that we're mining. We're not plumbing the depths to see what what can we maybe grasp onto that, that that's there to enjoy. We think legitimately, Joseph, that there's stuff in the prequels that you can appreciate, understand, learn more about, and exactly. really add flavor to the Star Wars experience. Yeah, yeah. When I when I try to come up with my list of five, I really had to prune it down because I think there are a lot of things to legitimately enjoy or be interested and intrigued by, as well as actual crap, like <laughs> being stepped on. <laughs> actual crap. Beusa. Um, that was one of it, prepping for the show, and you and I sending emails back and forth, and hey, here's the topic. What do you think about this? You were like, oh, I'd love to talk about the prequels. And it should be noted, guys, this is going to be about Phantom Menace. We're going to do, do two more down the line about Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. But you were so excited, and then uh, Mark Riley and I, when we did kind of the backdoor test pilot, it was like we the the list was a surprise okay. to each person. We still might do that on the show, but I want to disclose to the fans that we've kind of gathered our thoughts so we yeah. don't talk about the same thing over and over. But you wrote back to me with exclamation points and excitement. <laughs> I, I'm finding this harder than expected to, oh, cut, really? to cut things loose. You were very excited about yeah. the list. Yeah, yeah. So. It, it just, I think I've thought a lot about The Phantom Menace in particular because it's the one that I had the longest time to mm. deal with right because it was the first shock to the system of the star wars fan yeah yeah i've had the the most time i've spent with it absolutely and after seeing it eight times in the theater (laughs) during its first run i had a lot of time as well so uh what uh, we're gonna do here the list goes from five to one the guests will start first we'll alternate and we'll talk here for the next 30 minutes or so about the top five reasons you should rewatch the Phantom Menace, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. So, Joseph, I'm going to start with you. As I said, guest goes first, number five. Okay, here's number five. This should maybe be higher, but I wanted to start with one that would make people excited. And I think my number five is lightsabers. Now, most Star Wars films, indeed all of them, because of Darth Vader, have, uh, in Rogue One, have lightsabers, right? That's, right. that's easy to come by, but... I think this is a very important lightsaber movie because as is going to come up in our discussion, there's a lot of uh, canon that has been filled out mm-hmm. that makes Phantom Menace more interesting to rewatch. Right. And we're, we're ranking, you know, ideas that would make you want to rewatch. Rewatch it, yeah. So we learned recently, like in the Ahsoka uh, novel, that a Jedi can enhance their lightsaber with the Force. It's mm-hmm. not just a laser stick they're swinging around, but it gets right. enhanced. Right. And as soon as I was reading about that, I was like, ah, that's what's going on when Qui-Gon is cutting through the door of the Nimodian ship. Oh, yeah. He's kind of turning it and adjusting it, and it's burning the whole door around it. It's like, oh, that's not just what would happen if Han Solo stuck a lightsaber through the door. Like, right. Qui-Gon's doing something interesting. There's some force behind that, pun intended. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's some force behind it. <laughs> uh, we have learned about the Kyber Crystal calling out. Yeah. to uh, people into that's why they, they are sort of picked by the Jedi, like the wands in Harry Potter, or they pick the Jedi, uh, which makes a lot of the back and forth with Obi-Wan losing his lightsaber, right? which he later yells at Anakin about, and then get using his masters. Right. His, he's able to successfully call his master's lightsaber to him, and right. then he uses it to defeat Maul, but he doesn't just have it in the next film, right? which I think is an interesting thing. And then uh, I think of all of the non-traditional lightsabers, Darth Maul's double-bladed lightsaber is still, to me, 
one of the best. You can't shy away from that moment. It's <laughs> the, the, amazing. And, and I'm sure a lot of discussions about Phantom Menace go to Darth Maul and the lightsaber, yeah. the lightsaber fight. But just that first shot in that trailer, man, of that lightsaber, that second blade coming out, it was mind-blown. Mind-blowing. And, mind blown. It, you know, cool handles, great weird blades coming out of yeah. other places, whatever. Yeah. But that really affected the fighting. Just mm-hmm. the fact that it was double-bladed, it was actually changed what the fight was, right. what it looked like. Right. Uh, my final lightsaber point is, this is the movie where lightsabers, as we understand them, come together. Mm. They're being used by Jedi in their prime. Right. We saw Luke deflect a couple laser blasts here and there. But that's not really his prime form of fighting, right. like Jabba's sail barge. But here we see, this is how Jedi use fully trained Jedi use their lightsaber and all of the deflection tactics and all of the fun flippy little spins and everything gets established here. And and Lucas touched upon that when people immediately said, well, how, how come the lightsaber fighting is a lot different in the prequels than the original yeah. trilogy? And he's like, hey, these are Jedi at the top of their game. These are guys who've trained, they're, they're in the academy, they're in the Jedi temple, they're, they are at the, like I said, the top of their game, they know what to do. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, it, it, it does go, the original trilogy, I get it, the lightsaber's not used as much, so it maybe has some more weight, you know, like, ooh, he pulled out his saber. And they're all over the place in the prequels. Yeah. I understand that criticism, but again, it's, that's what I like about the prequel era. That's what would have happened at some point. When Obi-Wan hands Luke a lightsaber, it's not like, hey, here's this weapon we hung on our belts and occasionally brought out. Yeah. This was our tool. This was our thing we used to bring peace to the galaxy. It's versatile and elegant yeah. and can be used in all these different ways. We get to see it used in all these different ways. And yeah. I can articulate it in somewhat intelligently now. But I remember way back, like mm-hmm. early 2000, a friend was like, why are you still rewatching that movie? Yeah, And, you know, two or three beers in, I just got exasperated and said, it has lightsabers. <laughs> and I remember the Qui-Gon moment um, early on. First time I saw Phantom Menace, yep, I was a little right from the start, like, ooh, something's a little off. Yep. I'm not sure, you know, and I, I don't think the movie started in the best way. But when you get to that Qui-Gon moment, which emotionally I'm still recovering from the first Roger Roger, um, I will admit to that. But when he sticks the, door, the lightsaber in the door, it was, it was a... Oh, cool. Yeah. We're seeing they something can new. They do that. Yeah. yeah. And they start deflecting the blast. Absolutely. Yeah. So lightsabers is my number five. That's your number five. My number five is new vehicles and droids. Now, I know later on you're going to talk a little bit about something related to design, and I, I don't yeah. want to give yours away. Yours is much different than mine in that sense. Yours is deeper. Mine's just about <laughs> cool vehicles. <laughs> yours um, is probably better. You've got, No, you got the Federation tanks, the Naboo fighters, the Trade Federation ships themselves. It's like, is that a Death Star wrapped around? Around a, a donut of a star cruiser? What is this? <laughs> it's like a donut and a donut yeah. hole. The pods, the pod racers, which are cool. Uh, and the destroyer droids, which are, are some of my favorite things in Star Wars. I love that they show back up in Rebels because the design of them, to me, is very Star Wars. Yeah. We look at Rogue One and one of the exciting things, no matter what you think about Rogue One and the character development and all these kind of things that might have gone wrong in the movie for you or might have gone right for you. One of the things we all can agree on is there's some cool new ships. The U-Wing, the TIE Striker, the ATACTs. There's a lot of things uh, 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 Krennic's ship is, yeah. is good and there's a lot of things that yeah we don't see TIE Strikers and Empire Strikes Back um, the galaxy is big and the Empire can have different weapons uh, and if we're going to give Rogue One credit 
I want to make sure that you're going back to Phantom Menace and saying that there were some amazing designs yeah. in that in that for vehicles and and ships and droids. That Trade Federation tank to me is a very beautifully designed vehicle. It makes sense. Uh, the fact that uh, the droids say Roger, Roger, I don't hold it against the tank. <laughs> it's not the tank's fault. It's not the tank. They don't fault. say tank, tank. Yeah, tank, tank. Um, and I, I uh, the sounds that yes. scene when they when they come over the hill. Uh, and the first time, uh, I believe it was the full-length trailer, um, where over the green, lush hills of Naboo, yep. the tanks come over. I, I, that's still one of my favorite moments in that trailer and, and in Star Wars, because it just it just has a, ooh, we got a big battle coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you brought out the blue balls and Jar Jar kind of did stuff. I'm telling you, go back and just look at the designs of a lot of these vehicles. The Naboo Starfighters, to me, are a thing of beauty. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm off base there, Joseph. No, I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so at all. And I think, you know, the design evokes different ideas. Like just watching big tanks roll over a hill has this sort of just open ground war that right. maybe maybe you can kind of compare it to Hoth. But, you, could. you know, uh, it, it, it feels more almost like a feudal. Yes, you know, well, there was something very. Uh, it was like the British Army fighting, uh, you know, native tribes in Africa or something like yeah, that. If you go Scottish to, Rebellion, Scot- yeah, Scottish Rebellion or history or something like that. Uh, that's what the Gungans versus the Trade Federation, I think, was supposed to invoke. And so there is a sense of it's not something we had seen before. This big giant ground war, yeah, Hoth. Notwithstanding, the Hoth was definitely, but that was not so much war as a just all-out ambush and slaughter by the Empire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's just death in the snow. Yeah. All right. So there's, that's uh, that's my number five. Yeah, I think that's great. I think the design is great. Uh, so for you, number four. Number four is the theme of duality. I have Ooh. a liberal arts degree that I spent too much on, and I have to get it out somehow. <laughs> I do it on Star Wars Podcast by talking about theme. But I do mean this. I think mm. that... With Phantom Menace, one of the things to rewatch is you can rewatch it and you can say, I do not like this choice. That mm-hmm. was bad dialogue. That was badly delivered dialogue. That doesn't sure. belong in Star Wars. And I can say all those things too. Yeah. But I think when you look at things like the theme of duality mm-hmm. and how thoroughly it's incorporated into the DNA of the film, you can't look at that and say, George Lucas just did a bad job. Right. He didn't do a job that we maybe that a lot of people uh, liked if you're an older Star Wars fan in particular. Mm-hmm. But I think when you watch it for like that, th- that reoccurring theme, it's mm-hmm. clear to you like he had ideas that were very yeah. important to them and he executed them. That um, were true to Star- his vision of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. He is the creator. He is the creator. And I just think it's like elegant and fun and it makes you think mm-hmm. a lot about like, well, what is he saying about the Star Wars galaxy? What is he saying mm-hmm. about the real world? when you have that constant theme of symbiosis. Yeah. Obi-Wan literally says it about <laughs> the Gungans in the Naboo, that they must see that they are a symbiote circle. You must see. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like we get introduced that we didn't have before, the idea that the Jedi have master and Padawan relationship. Correct. That's this handing down of knowledge. Mm-hmm. We realize that that is how the Sith have survived. Right. Uh, well, we get introduced the idea that there are Sith. Uh, right. That's from right. Phantom Menace, uh, but there they also have their rule of two, mm-hmm. and then there's the uh, weird tension of Sidious Palpatine, right? And whether the movie is even trying to hide <laughs> that they are the same, but it is. But obviously, we know without a doubt yeah. now, yeah. Uh, and we did in 1999 that they are one and the same. 
Uh, and you got that with Padme uh, hiding behind her handmaidens. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you really just start to get a a sense of both the positive and negative of this theme of duality mm-hmm. that sometimes it is a mentor and a teacher right. and symbiosis and the cycle of life and the Namu and the Gungans should work together. That is the natural order of things. Right. But then you also see it as deception and masking and lying mm-hmm. via Palpatine and Sidious and even Padme and her handmaid. Yeah, right. It's a deception all along. Uh, so I, I just love, uh, I love Star Wars and I love all films for the characters, the plots, right. the, you know, lightsabers and the cool stuff. But I also want to know on some deep level, what's it about? Yeah, and I think George himself, going back to his, his early drafts, and a lot of the, there's a lot of stuff in the prequels that show up, whether it be a name like Mace Windy or the Naboo. Uh, there's a lot of things that yeah. there's a lot of the stuff was in his head, and, and some of the themes he was dealing with. Yeah, I think that's some deep stuff. You you know you the it, it's not just um, you know Palpatine and and uh, Insidious is an example of it being out uh, in the not so open. Uh, but yeah, I, I was I'm interested. To, you're so right. The Jedi Padawan relationship. Yeah, well, that's the first that we. We hadn't really thought about it in those terms. You know, Obi-Wan doesn't say, uh, you know, obviously for just where what time period George was in and not not knowing he'd eventually do the prequels. But you know, Obi-Wan doesn't say, oh, I took your father as a, as my Padawan learner. I get that. <laughs> Imagine if you he know? said that in A New Hope. He's like, I have some more to explain. <laughs> your father was a very good pilot and my Padawan learner after Qui-Gon Jinn was killed. By How do you feel about braids? Little hair braids. <laughs> uh, yeah, and even the even Qui-Gon's speech about the, the dreaded midi-chlorians. Right. That's an example of a, what is... I think in George's mind, a, a, a beautiful symbiotic right. relationship that the midi chlorians need us and, and force users need them. There's a lot of, a lot of teamwork. Yeah. There's a lot of teamwork <laughs> on and, and a lot of creepy people pretending to be somebody else. Right. That's the simple way to say uh, the theme of duality. And that's that, my number four. That is a good, uh, deep number four. My number four, <laughs> you mentioned Padme and she is my number four. Oh, Padme nice. Amidala, the queen of Naboo, defender of her, her people. And look in the in, in Attack of the Clones and then by by Return uh, Revenge of the Sith I should say, um, Padme was diminished as a character, and I thought the Clone Wars does a great job in, in, in adding a lot to the Padme character. Yeah. Um, and if you read some of the stuff, some of that might have had to do with Natalie Portman and her on-set behavior, but that that's, you know, set gossip and everything. But it, uh, it makes some sense because uh, Sith, that's the one thing, even though I do think it's the best one and everyone can say that it's the best of the prequels, Sith doesn't fulfill to me the, the character of Padme as much as I'd like. I, yeah. I, I wanted her ending, have her die in childbirth, fine, change the mythos a little bit and why Leia remembers her, we don't really know, and maybe that answer will come more clear in other supplemental material, but I would have you could have I, I, I don't want to say you wanted, I wanted to see Padme beaten up and bloody, but the, the fact that her heart just died or she because she just yeah, uh, we don't know. Up. It's a little too it's, wishy-washy. It's, it was too wishy-washy. You know, I just wish it was more of a choice because go, going back to Phantom Menace, this is a very strong key character to the Star Wars stories. It, it would make sense that she is um, you know, the, 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 the mother of Leia yeah. and, and Luke as well, but he's definitely his father's son I think a little bit more, but Leia, we give a lot of credit to this this character there as it should and for what Carrie Fisher brought to it, blah, blah, blah. But as the character plays out in books and Bloodline, like if you read Bloodline, 
That to me is Amidala's daughter for sure. It's yeah. Padme's daughter, very much in bloodline. The, of course, uh, Padme's daughter would be General Leia. It just makes sense. Yeah. And you go back to Phantom Menace, there's something that's so strong. Everything she's doing, she's what, 14, 15, the character's supposed to be in the movie. Just all the lines and some of it, you know, sticks with me even still. You know, I will not watch my people suffer. It's, they're kind of funny lines. Yeah. Um, um, but everything was done for the benefit of her people uh, as as a good leader should. And she was in the field of action. And, and in 1999, we give correct credit to the character of Jin Erso and the character of Rey being at the forefront. But there's a lot to be said for that the Phantom Menace at the forefront was a 14-year-old girl who had the weight of her planet, her weight of her people on her. Yeah. And I think that's a key thing to go back and, and study a little more and give it give it credit. You know, yeah, I, we'll maybe talk about this a little bit uh, later about that question mm-hmm. of who is the protagonist mm-hmm. of the Phantom Menace? And I've never really thought about it this way, but in a lot of ways, it is Patton to me because yeah. she is making the choices. She is the one who is responsible for making the choices. Right. It's her planet that she's the ruler of that right. is in danger. Right. She takes the Jedi advice. A lot of times she doesn't want to take the Jedi advice. Right. Stands and, up to Jedi at one point, even though she, you know, yeah. Qui-Gon gets his way. But Yeah, Qui-Gon gets his way. Mm-hmm. But like, and she's the one who ultimately comes up with the plan yeah. that actually solves things to go to the Gungans for help and she comes up with plenty of the actual like here's how we're going to do it and she runs around does the shooting and she takes and is often happens in Star Wars it is the story of the Jedi and the Skywalker clan Mm -hmm. and as often the actual plot Mm -hmm. is resolved by Padme's plan and actions yeah and then some Jedi and Sith just fight in a power (laughs) generator area like always yeah and then get credit for like you are changing the game you Fought in a power generator again <laughs> while Padme did the actual things. Uh, Padme was the one. Now, Viceroy, we'll discuss a new treaty. <laughs> That's right. One of my favorite bad lines from the movie. <laughs> yeah, she is a woman of action. And in Attack of the Clones, she's very much in there again. And I, and we can talk about clones in another episode. Um, uh, she's she's very present in clones as well, very key in clones. But I think I think Phantom Menace does just a, a better job. Yeah. There's no, uh, no, no creature rips her clothes in half and, and gives her a halter top while she's fighting. <laughs> exactly. Um, she's just in the in the in the theater of action. She's up front center doing it for a cause greater than herself, yeah. which to me is something that Leia carried on as well. So that's my number four. Awesome. Padme Amidala. That's a great number four. Uh my number three is a little bit related to my lightsabers, but just general canon review. We have had so much canon uh that gets filled in and even more coming all the time that it's just fun, even if you're like I don't really like this movie, mm-hmm. but to go back and see what does what extra text do you add? Mm-hmm. So it's, it wouldn't even be that maybe maybe you watch it and you don't enjoy the movie mm-hmm. itself, but what avenues or doors of thought are opened up based on the new canon now looking back at the movie. So we now know a lot more about the droid army, yeah. that they were made by the Geonosians to look like Geonosians, <laughs> that they're meant to kind of overpower, that they were this sort of new thing, that this is um, this very strange military move made by a private company right. that actually has designs in the long run to maybe finance uh, separating from the Senate because right. they don't, the Senate's not making them enough money. Right. So you can you, you fill all that stuff in and it starts to make all the droids more interesting. We know uh, Sidious's whole plan you know you the first time you saw phantom menace you when he's saying he's going to be very interested in watching anakin's career you don't know like wink (laughs) did he maybe make him through the force maybe right we don't know right is this like has he just been waiting for 
this creature that he possibly made through the Force. Right. Now, I know that was covered in Darth Plagueis, but that's now a legend, so it's still open for interpretation. We just have what he said in Revenge of the Sith to go on. So you you can play with those relationships. Uh, We know all of the various galactic politics, not even from the prequel area. Mm-hmm. But now going forward to what we got introduced to in Rogue One, we've got right. introduced to in Bloodline in The Force Awakens. And as the story of Star Wars continues and continues, as we've talked about on other episodes, mm-hmm. Force Center episodes, you can't separate politics from wars. No. And it's Star Wars, and you need star politics for Star <laughs> Wars. People, uh, you know, bashed Phantom Menace for being too political. But we now have come around to bashing Force Awakens for not showing not the politics, me. so we didn't know <laughs> we were lost a little Why bit. did the balcony <laughs> people die? Were they 24-hour <laughs> party people? What planet is that? What's going on? In Phantom Menace, you get to know. And, right. you know, George and all of the other writers who have taken up uh, after him have opinions about politics in right. real-world reflections of politics uh, in Star Wars, and this is the the birthplace of them. Right. You know, you put your, your mind, that's what's going on in the Senate. It makes the Senate scenes much more interesting. Uh, you know, we know even more about Anakin's arc now. We know more about Darth Maul's future. All of those little, uh, not little, kind of big things in Star yeah. Wars mythos that uber Star Wars nerds like to climb into the bubble. So much of it is more... Yeah. So much of Phantom Menace is richer when you think about that stuff. Yeah, and sometimes uh, we talk about the expectation of new or our own expectations of things. And so George answered a lot of questions that we've been asking for a long time. Yeah. And that, I think, lent, lent itself to being just, you know, disappointing to the rest of us because, well, that's not what I thought. But I, it, it's probably what George thought for a long time. Yeah. And so when Tarkin talks about, you know, the Imperial Senate's been wiped away. I'm, t- I'm like, Tarkin's like Mr. Burns. <laughs> Smithers, wipe out the Imperial Senate. Release the Vader. Release the Vader. Um, now that we know what that meant, I get a visual image of a bunch of people and these little flying saucers going, what, we're done? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? They're interrupting each other and they've let a company. Right. Yeah. The Trade Federation is just a giant company and they've let a company have right. a seat in the Senate, a floating disc ball in the senate right this will be we're yeah we're coming fast to that i think (laughs) um yeah this would be like if enron had its own army 10 years ago um so yeah absolutely i think uh, the expansion of the of the canon and and the creation of the of of a new level of canon because the expanded universe was definitely already in play but george i just like that george was like no, this is mm-hmm. what this is what happened. Actually, it's always been like about this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been uh, studying up for a, a video on Star Wars canon for my job, and and uh, reading some interviews. Where we're just like, well, you know, there's uh, my version of Star Wars and whatever everyone else said. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and I, I like that they had to create level G for canon, which is anything George said is real. You know? Wow, that's and, amazing. Uh, and and it, I think a lot of that starts with Phantom Menace. Yeah, you're yeah. right there. Uh, that's a good number three. My number three is the maturation of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ooh. I love that Obi-Wan Kenobi starts this movie as a Padawan learner. Yeah. He is in the final stages, senior year, maybe fifth year senior. He seems yeah. a little old, a little like old he, to be a Padawan. He's being still. held back a bit. Yeah. Qui-Gon is uh, there. But he starts, you know, clearly starts the movie as a toe-in-the-line Padawan who wants to ace all his tests. And not only is he just getting lessons from Qui-Gon, but, you know, he fights Qui-Gon on things. Uh, he doesn't accept Anakin at all. No. Uh, does not want him to be here. They picked up some garbage trash, according to Obi-Wan. <laughs> you know, what are, we, what are we doing here? Another pathetic life form, yeah. Exactly. And, and 
even then the council's kind of like, yeah, Qui-Gon, you're crazy, man. We've always known you're crazy. You hung out with Dooku and Quinlan Voss and Sifo Dyas. You're crazy, man. <laughs> All right? And Obi-Wan sees that. And then in a blink of an eye, his, his master is taken. And Obi-Wan, uh, you know, by then is ready. He's starting to f- learn to fight. But I think in, in that moment, be takes on the mantle that Qui-Gon put aside. Yeah. And... You know, we talk. Obi Wan's not a great Jedi at all to me. He's always been a good Jedi. He is always, the Jedi. He yeah. is the Jedi. Um, but that led him to just kind of uh, doing a lot of things on his own uh, and and being on own missions and the Camino stuff. Everything's just kind of him, kind of working his way around the galaxy. And and I think that starts in Phantom Menace. That Obi Wan is such a favorite character of ours. Yeah. Um, that it really, really starts and starts well in the Phantom Menace, and I think if you go back and see that arc, it is uh, it is the Obi Wan that we come to know and love. Yeah, I love Return. that idea. I yeah. love that idea that he that you can see him as not that he isn't taking a Jedi being very seriously, but mm. they go and they handle trade disputes, right? And then here is a situation where he is forced with what maybe Qui-Gon has seen, but he hasn't, which is the reality of the galaxy instead of the theory of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. He faces this horrible Sith threat. His his mentor dies, and then he has to make a choice. Like, Mm -hmm. this isn't theoretical. I can let this kid go just float around the galaxy, or Mm -hmm. I can do do the thing, the non-traditional thing that maybe I shouldn't, Mm -hmm. that Qui-Gon always was for. But it's not a theoretical thing now. It's yeah. real, and it's my choice and my choice alone. Do I right. take the kid on? And he, yeah, then he becomes more like his master. That's yeah. a great point. And you could argue that, hey, if he had left Obi-Anakin uh, out, out in the desert there by himself, we, we wouldn't have had Darth Vader and everything. But then I think the Sith would have still found a way to rise, and I believe that the path to the destruction of the Sith goes through Obi-Wan. That's what we're seeing with Rebels. Yep. And it came to that moment where he was like, I'm going to continue my master's work. Yeah. It was Qui-Gon's vision. So when he's on there in, at the desert hiding and watching Luke, that is an extension of what he learned from Qui-Gon. Today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so, awesome. Number three uh, on my list. That, that that's that maturation of Obi Wan Kenobi. Number two for you. My number two. I should never start a sentence like that. The second <laughs> thing on my list of five is we touched on a little bit uh, the design in general. You said uh, robots and uh, vehicles, and uh, we we touched on a little bit. I'm going to say really specifically the design. If right. you want a specific reason to rewatch the Phantom Menace, you should do it if you like circles orbs and other <laughs> organic shapes the design is amazing yeah it didn't look like star wars to us what we imagined star wars and a lot of us got upset it didn't look like right. that lived in universe mm-hmm. which was a, a choice that george made because he wanted to show a time where the galaxy was in better repair and you can get into your well i'm gonna push my glasses or my contacts up and mm-hmm. say well, but it's only been 19 years and like whatever that's totally fine and totally valid but this is such cool thorough thoughtful mm-hmm. design that everything is rounded mm-hmm. and organic in a movie called the phantom menace right. so it feels like just aesthetically everything's soft and has no edges right. no dirt everything must be okay yeah because the menace is phantom right now we don't see it. yeah it just when when i start trying to think of everything that is vaguely circular 
Mm-hmm. Like the Naboo ships are obviously they're super smooth, but like the Senate, the whole Senate is circular. Yeah. All the all the little Senate flying seats are circular. The Jedi Council chamber, uh, most of the pod racing equipment is very focused mm-hmm. on the circular. Right. All of Oda Gunga is mm-hmm. this nice circular Big circular bubbles. And, yeah, I mean it's I like all of the design, but I think the specific fact that everything has that uh, almost subliminal message mm-hmm. that things are okay. Don't yeah. worry about it. And Actually, there's a lot to worry about, but don't worry about it. It's all soft. Calm down. No now. hard edges in the yeah. galaxy. Yeah. I think, yeah, what you talk about, and you still see people, I, I see Pablo Hidalgo tweet about it still, too, is like the look of, say, an X-Wing and uh, the ships and A New Hope. And it's like, go go to 1976, the year I was born, and pick up a, a, a AMC Pacer from that era and go to a 68 Mustang, man, just a few yeah. years early. It seems like a different era. Yeah. Things can change that quick, and I think you're absolutely right. That was a, a more civilized time, and it changed on a dime. Yeah. Yeah, the, the 19 years, how did Obi-Wan and Owen and, and Beru age so much? Twin sons, I guess. How did everyone forget about the Jedi? I guess they took... The, the Empire took the words out of the books. I get yeah. it. I get that 19-year <laughs> gap being a little problematic for some of the bigger questions. Yeah. But I think it switched on such a dime, and it and it became a hard-edged empire, literally yeah. and figuratively. And I think it gets uh, less soft immediately in Attack of the Clones once we start to get into war. Yeah. And certainly by Revenge of the Sith, once the galaxy has been at war, things aren't as soft or nice anymore. Right. And right. everything is getting torn apart. And there's, there's that 10-year gap between clones and Phantom Menace where a lot lot has changed. Yeah, you know, a lot there, of There's a lot in that 10 years yet to be explored in official canon, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that so, is my second, my number two. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Second, if you will. If you will. My second of five <laughs> on my list is uh, it's kind of similar. We, we synced up. I made my yeah. list and look at your list. I looked at your list, made mine, and then this kind of... You know, full disclosure popped in, and I just didn't. I, w- I was going to move this around, but I think it ties into okay, yours cool. too. It's it's a picture of the galaxy before it all changed. Now you're talking literally with the shapes and what it meant, and that's a very intelligent view of it. Uh, mine's a little more simpler. Uh, no, but it's uh, what I like about uh, aftermath. Chuck Wendig's book, um, um, the first one, the second one's the, I think the better of the book so far, but the first one does to me a great job of painting the galaxy, uh, what it looks like ah. moment after yeah. the empire has fallen. Yeah. Not just for our superstar celebrity heroes. They're dancing with Ewoks, but what's going on in the rest of the galaxy? There's a lot of people who are not sure about this and and they've lost their leadership and that might be tough and how do we reform and all those kind of questions and it's a little chaotic. Yeah. And that's what I liked about Aftermath. Um, on that same token, what I like about the Phantom Menace is you see life on Naboo, which is pretty and idyllic, but yet people 
bad things are happening. There's this blockade, and the Senate people are like, "No, nah, no, nah, we're good, man. <laughs> we'll send we'll send some Jedi to investigate Chancellor Valorum, who's probably on the take anyways. Um, you know, he's gonna we put our trust in him, even though yeah. he's an ineffectual leader. Um, life on Tatooine and how they're so far removed, and the pod races, and I love the Moss Espa stuff versus the Moss Eisley stuff because Espa's bigger and it's more of just how the world functioned. There was still slavery in the galaxy. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. And, and 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 people are in their own bubbles. And literally, with you mentioned Oda Gunga, <laughs> they're in their own bubbles <laughs> and want nothing to do with the, the Naboo. Yeah. And there's something uh, certainly clumsy about that speech. Qui-Gon and Obi- Obi-Wan are given to Boss Nass and everybody. But there's something very true about it. They're like, the world's changing. Yeah. You, this is like Hobbiton. You know, there's there's a lot of weird shapes and people moving through the plains and wars are coming. Yeah. And you want to sit and drink your uh, your beer over here in Hobbiton and have a, have some kind of party all the time. And I think there's a lot of that going on in Phantom Menace. And you get a view of what the galaxy was before because there's this big, giant gap. And I don't think it's that's what I liked about the Plagueis book because it showed, a, a, you know, Padme being elected and all that, how that yeah. kind of stuff happened. So there's Old Republic, which is now thousands of years. And we might get those stories eventually yeah. officially in canon. I love the Bane book, all that kind of stuff by Drew Carpetian. Read it if you haven't. It's good. But there's this thousand years gap between it where the galaxy is just kind of floating along doing its thing. Yep. Ups and downs. Good and bad. Ups and downs. All right. The Trade Federation's stopping people on the boog from getting stuff. Whatever. We'll vote on some other stuff. Yeah. And that's where, you know, Palpatine comes in. And I just like getting that picture of the galaxy before it all went to hell. It was a big, giant, comforting circle, as you pointed yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. You get that snapshot of what it is. And I think maybe that's a, a particular issue, too, of, like, the original trilogy has certainly has ups and downs. But right. it it retains a little bit of fairy tale. Right. And I think George Lucas was always interested in reality. And Phantom Menace really does slap you into reality yeah. of... The Jedi are keeping peace and order, but they're kind of cold and distant and weird. And the Senate is keeping peace, and it's a functioning government, but, oh, they allow corporate influence, and they're real slow to do things. And, like, it's a a picture of a real place that has good things and bad things and fresh things and stale things. And I I think that snapshot you're talking about is, like, yeah, it's a perfect way to describe it. And and, and the Jedi, uh, you know, needing... Uh oh, we're gonna have to fight a war now. We're gonna be generals, which a lot of Jedi didn't think they should have been. You no, know, I like that. I'm gonna go next with my number one because I want to close on your number one because okay. I like yours. I think it's a good ending. And and my number one is is similar. This is again my number one reason I think you should rewatch Phantom Menace, and it is the rise of Palpatine. Nice. There there is um, an argument to say that all six of the movies are about Anakin. Uh, it's definitely about the Skywalker clan, and mm-hmm. it definitely is about Luke maybe redeeming his father in the last three. You can make those kind of story arguments and everything. But there's absolutely those first three movies are about the rise of the most evil man in the galaxy. Because you grew up at one point thinking Vader was the biggest, baddest yeah. man in the galaxy and the most evil man in the galaxy. But no, he was conflicted, and that story unfolded. But Palpatine is you and I, uh, you and I, we love that character. Yes, we do. It's one of Christian Harloff's favorite characters. A lot of people love Palpatine and call him Sheev or not. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but it all begins here when you realize at some point that he is the Phantom Menace. Yeah. And I didn't like that title the first time, like a lot of things. What's the ass? A stupid title, Phantom Menace. <laughs> I actually, it's one of my favorite titles and it, and it captures the story so well. 
We've set this galaxy of comforting circles and spheres. Everyone's in their own bubble, and in comes this dark, dark person who's disguised out in the open as a nice uh, aging man in, in puffy collars. Yeah. And he's just a simple politician. Cartoon of a politician. I'm yeah. so happy to have been elected. Surprise, uh, to be sure. Oh, yes. Bail and Tilly's is uh, <laughs> going against me. Um, so to watch him... I love the payoff in Sith. I I I think the the arc of Palpatine and how it worked and and how he he played both sides. You talked about the duality that factors into this here and and seeing Yoda in action might not have been fulfilling for some people. Yeah. Seeing Palpatine in action, other than Ian McDiarmid's not the best stage fighter. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah. But to see the Emperor in action and realize he was Sith, baby. He was dark. He had powers. Yeah. And um, I, I just like to see see that rise. And it starts in Phantom Menace. And you see it unfold. And you talk about Star Wars needing some of those politics. Him working the strings. Yep. From both sides of the coin. Starting a war against himself. Yeah. Is believable to me. It's it's uh, something I think George executed very well in all three movies. And, and it starts with Phantom Menace. I totally agree with your number one. Yeah. Uh, my number one, the number one reason for me that you should rewatch The Phantom Menace is if you are the kind of person who thinks modern big budget movies are too safe or formulaic, you should enjoy the hell out of The Phantom Menace because good, bad, or otherwise, it is insanity. It does not have, as has been pointed out again and again, Red Letter Media was the one who kind of yeah. cracked the door open on like, no, let's let's put on our screenwriter's hats. I just read Save the Cat, <laughs> the, the Hollywood screenwriting book, yeah. and it doesn't work. The, right. the act breaks aren't in the right places. There's not a clear protagonist. Motivations are wonky. This is a film made by a strange old man doing what he wanted. And I think as we've illustrated, you can't say he just did a bad job because he knew exactly what he was doing. He was making all Mm. of these choices. If you don't agree with him that he made the choice to make a strange, floppy, vaguely Jamaican creature have Mike Myers from Saturday Night Live jokes saying, excuse me. That's fine. I don't like that. But he made that choice, not arbitrarily, not in front of a focus group, Mm -hmm. not even to sell a toy, I don't think. He just made this big, strange mess of a movie by any, like, traditional storytelling standards. It's a weird, weird movie. And that is my number one reason that I think it's worth rewatching. And what I get out of it again Mm -hmm. and again is to just marvel at it eventually you do just feel like you are being like an auteur should be like you are you are you're in there you're not just watching their story you've been welcomed into their weird world yeah in phantom menace when you're sitting there watching that good bad or otherwise you are just like sitting in a little corner of george lucas's brain yeah and if you do you think marvel is like oh that's filmed by committee if you think star wars is going in that uh direction well phantom menace is the antidote to that (laughs) 
It absolutely is, and, and that is a, a great point, and it's it's just so true. And, yep, there's some crazy things there, and you watch that documentary, and sometimes you wish Rick McCallum said no. <laughs> no, George, don't. Um, but George was a man who started out just wanting to either race cars fast or make his weird little independent stories, the stories he wanted to tell. This is a man that Apocalypse Now could have been his if yeah. things had worked out a little differently. And uh, this is a guy who's, like, retired but probably making weird movies in his basement right now <laughs> that we might never see. Yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. Starting with Phantom Menace, it is the story that I think he intended to tell eventually, if at all. He might, you know, I could see a storyline where he just never made these movies. Yeah. But if you go back and read the early, early drafts, there's stuff in there, not just the names of Mace Windy. I love that. And I love that that pops up in the original draft. Um, not envisioned to be Samuel L. Jackson, certainly <laughs> at that point. Um, it, it, these are his movies, his stories, and it makes me... I'm I'm happy the way things have gone. Yeah. But it makes me just want so much to see what episode seven might have been. Yeah. If they had gone with his vision. I think we'll know someday. I think we will too. And I think it'll be really weird. It will be weird. And it's a it's from a bygone era. Yeah. Ryan Johnson, there's hope that he will do with eight that he what he wants. But I still think there's obviously it's tied into big picture stuff. It's tied mm-hmm. into a lot of oversight. And though they might say, Hey, go at it. Let let you do it. I think JJ had a lot. He drove the bus for sure. Yep. Um, but without a doubt, decisions are made in boardrooms. That's the way it is. I'm not saying that as a negative because yeah. I enjoyed these movies. But yep, George, he's an independent filmmaker at heart, and that's what he did with yeah. the Phantom Menace. Exactly. That's a great list, Joseph. Uh, I I love that. I love uh, that this is the first official newly reworked Star Wars ranked. We're going to do this again uh, with the Attack of the Clones. Oh, boy. Revenge of the Sith. Oh, boy. And the Ewok movies, kid. We had, well, I actually haven't rewatched them forever, we, and I, I really should. We should probably do yeah. that. Okay, we'll do that at <laughs> Us some and point. a bottle of whiskey. Um, so uh, you can uh, uh, submit your own. You can disagree with us, agree with us. Just go hashtag Star Wars Ranked. You can uh, go to our Twitter page at Pod and hashtag that there to join that conversation. Go over to the Facebook page. Give us a like and uh, write us a little bit more in detail. Write us your list of things that you think the top five reasons are to rewatch. The Phantom Menace. Uh, Joseph, uh, you are the prequelist of prequelists. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, joining us and uh, tell all the fine folks where they can find you. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. If you want to find out where and when I will be uh, saying comedy things, so you can come and, and look at my face while I say comedy things, you can uh, always check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Absolutely, you can follow me at Ken Napsack, and like I said, at Force Center Pod is where you can follow us here. And if you're on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. The first official newly reworked Star Wars ranked is in the books. We'll see you next time where we rank Star Wars. 